Hi, I'm Andrew Hoskins here with Matthew Ford talking about our new book, Radical War, Data, Attention and Control in the 21st Century, being published by Hearst and by Oxford University Press in the United States. Matthew, aren't we saying that what is radical about war today is that social media and data utterly transform perceptions about war? So, you know, how war is seen or not seen. So this transforms how you know, wars are fought, won or lost, experienced, legitimised, remembered, but also forgotten, Matthew. Thanks, Andrew. Well, as the political and military elites struggle to understand how information fits within the traditional domains of warfare, in Radical War, we show how the smartphone, not the rifle, has become the granular instrument of combat. For the past two centuries, the German philosopher of war, Karl von Clausewitz, has helped us understand how the French Revolution unlocked national passions and created a revolution in military affairs. This revolution was not technology driven, but emerged out of an interaction of social, economic and political factors. We too frame the changes that have happened on the battlefield against a backdrop of far reaching change in society. In the process, we collapse distinctions between audience and actor, soldier and civilian, media and weapon. In this context, Clausewitz's trinity of state, people and armed forces become irrelevant. In Radical War, we acknowledge that war and the capacity of individuals to participate in it has expanded dramatically. Now everyone can be a photographer or a journalist, recording incidents and filming events that can be published online and broadcast to the world. Everyone's smartphone can be a sensor, extending the kill chain out into the civilian internet of things. NSO Group has shown that these sensors can be switched on even without your consent. In this new war ecology, we do not argue that war is any less kinetic, that it involves any fewer bombs and bullets. Rather, in Radical War, we show how war is apprehended and framed through digital devices. During the war in Ukraine, we are watching the smartphone being weaponized. Now civilians help crowdsource the location and identity of targets that can then be attacked by aircraft or indirect fire artillery. As we are seeing on our social media feeds, the outcome of these engagements is being recorded and then uploaded online for the whole world to consider and amplify. This one device connects the soldiers on the front lines with the civilians who propagandise the war in the rear. This brings the experience of war, wherever it is experienced in the world, into an intense spectacle in which local, national and transnational narratives and identities are brought into new conflict. This is intensified and enabled through an astonishing agitation of the history and memory of past wars, many of which are now accessible via social media archives and search engines. In this so-called post-truth environment, shared realities are fragmented and counter-narratives manufacture doubt, uncertainty and conspiracy theory. For scholars trying to understand the history and memory of war in the new war ecology, navigating this media prism is a particular challenge. This is because datification, that process in which all aspects of life, including subjects, objects and practices, are being turned into online quantifiable data points, has transformed 21st century wars into an experience that is continuously being streamed. One way of creating sense out of this digital flux is to anchor war to history. The challenge for historians is that the historical method, investigating the past in depth, breadth and context, is not a field that is designed to work at a speed where all that counts is the credibility of the moment. Thus, in Radical War, we seek to understand how political violence gains meaning in a 24-7, always online environment. By taking this broader approach, we can investigate the way knowledge about war has been, become a battle for control over the relationship between data and attention. Our analysis consequently decenters the battlefield, directs our principal concerns away from military strategy, and instead asks us to think again how we come to know what we know about war.
Andrew. So, Matthew, for, the, for us then, it's an open source war, not a, a real-time war, but a no-time war. There's no time for pause in the stream of comment, message, reporting, speculation. There's a kind of pixelation, a kind of new granularity to this war, a media war of pixels. The, the closer we get, the less we see. And, and fact-checking to oblivion is not going to change the fundamental disruption of our media worlds to one of participation, opinion, weaponization, outrage, and, of course, disinformation. The truth of war is surely buried forever underneath this kind of tsunami of messages, images, videos, emojis, and shared. We're kind of drowning in a, in a personalized media content. There's no, there's no limits or edges to the ecologies of these wars. So how then can societies come to terms with the, the loss and trauma of war when so much of what we're seeing of this war and so much of the historical record is being driven by disinformation and a splintering of personal digital feeds of war? Who decides what will be seen and not seen, preserved or erased? Is the power to remember down to the individuals all over this battlefield in Ukraine, recording and sharing their personal vision of war, including selfies taken in front of burnt out military vehicles? Or is it ultimately that algorithms and owners of social media platforms will determine what is remembered and forgotten? And is it down to NGOs such as Bellingcat? Are these the new keepers of memory? And for us, although the Russian war against Ukraine is the most documented event in history, it's not a golden age of memory. It may yet be that this could be the most forgotten event in history.